Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the HIV podcast. Each week, we focus on a person, historical event, or pop culture moment linked to HIV and explore the story of what actually happened. I'm Sarah. And I'm Jess. And between us, we've been working in the field of HIV for 40 years. Our aim is to get as many people as possible HIV educated. Welcome to the HIV podcast. Hello there. Hello. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you very much. I want to start by thanking you we always think it's a good idea uh when we put out podcast episodes that get so much feedback for you to have that week off yeah yeah I I took a few days holiday last week didn't I, I didn't go anywhere I was just at home with the dogs um but yes yeah yeah lot so much good feedback though amazing absolutely amazing if anybody has direct messaged us um and I know lots of people have and you haven't had a reply because I was at the helm Jess is back on it now. Yeah, I'm on it. It's because I I don't actually give Sarah access to our social media. We've seen what she does with Word. She cannot go near Instagram or TikTok. On a serious note, thank you for all the, just the amazing response that we had to these episodes. And the one we're talking about is the um, HIV and the transgender community part one. But yes, I just think it's amazing that so many people are getting more educated about issues that they probably don't feel affects them. That was some of the feedback that we had received. We need to, because we've had some new listeners and some new followers on social media, it's probably quite a good opportunity to just share who we are, our credentials, so to speak. Yeah, that's true. I know our intro says that we've worked in the field of HIV for sort of 40 years um, combined, but it doesn't really say what we've done. We could be doing anything. We could be packing the insti tests in a factory, couldn't we? We could. You know, that's still the field of HIV. (laughs) So we run an HIV charity called Thames Valley Positive Support and an LGBTQI plus group called BU. Uh, We work across Berkshire um, and North Hampshire. That BU works in uh, East Berkshire. Uh, That's important to say, Sarah, that's in the UK, because obviously in America, there I think there's Berkshire, there's also Reading. There's So important to say, Sarah means in the UK, it's probably really obvious from our accents, but as everyone knows, we're global. So just just to clarify that. Um, And we both worked in the sector for a combined total of just under 40 years. And our roles, our daytime roles, this is not our daytime job, our daytime roles are around running the charity and supporting people affected by HIV. 
idea for the podcast, the ideas for the episodes and some of the content is kind of brought together with our service users. But that was the whole point of the podcast. Because of the stigma, they didn't feel they could speak up themselves. So they wanted a platform where their views could be heard, where people could be educated about HIV, where we normalise HIV, but they could remain hidden for now. I think that might change in the future as more and more people talk about HIV and the issues around it. Oh, and one of the reasons that we're very lighthearted, we always talk about this podcast as being a bit like Marmite. We're not always going to do things the way people want us to do them. We know that. That's fine. You know, we've chosen to do a podcast this way. But again, as Sarah said, so the idea for how this podcast is run was from our service users who basically wanted us to bring a bit of our drop-in into the podcast. And our drop-in is... Of course, there's support that happens, but it's very lighthearted. There's a lot of laughing that goes on. There's a lot of education that goes on. But it's, I think, when first when people first arrive, they have quite often a preconceived idea of what an HIV support charity is going to be, what it's going to look like, what it's going to feel like. And everyone always says to us, don't they? That is so wildly not how this place is. So they wanted us to bring that. So again, that's why this is very lighthearted. And it is who we are. It's who Sarah and I are. We've worked together for so long. This is, you know, we can't help but bring ourselves into this. But yeah, I think you're right, Sarah. It's important just to let people know who we are, who we are, these people just like, yeah, we just decided to do this podcast in our bedrooms, you know? Yes, I know. No, I think it is right just to confirm who we are. And also, you know, we've got over 750 service users from all different walks of life. So we can always draw on different experiences to um, help us with the content for our episodes. I know our transgender service users were a bit wary about us doing this episode or doing these episodes because they were like, you're going to get loads of negative feedback. Yeah, because that's what they experience. That's what they find living their lives in the in the suburbs. I suppose you'd call us, wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what I am doing is collating. I'm going to hand it over to you now. You're back. Is collating the feedback so we can show them at the drop in and at, at BU as well to say, look, there's a lot of support, a lot of love out there, um, and hopefully that will filter down to local communities where they live, um, and they can start to feel. And I think there are people who are now listening and go, right, I need to I need to pay attention to this. This is important. Yeah. You know, this this affects our community. Yeah. So, so all your feedback. Thank you so much for all your feedback. If you are from the transgender community in another part of the world and you've told us that there isn't support in your community or in your country, then know that we're supporting you from afar. I know we can't physically meet um, and support you in that way, but we're here. We're here, we're here, we're here trying to give a voice. But like we've said, I think it is also important to know, I said it earlier around HIV, we're not always going to do something that everybody loves. It's just, that's the nature of the beast, isn't it? There are other podcasts for that. Um, But yeah, we we really appreciate all the love that we've got so far. Fingers crossed this one is a good one as well, Sarah. It's all on you. Heavy weight on your shoulders there. You hear the relief in Jess's voice. It's because Jess worries when each episode goes out that we're going to get negative feedback. And I think we said in the last episode, we don't get, we rarely get negative feedback. Sometimes we do because everybody does, I guess. Um, And if you're putting yourself out there, you can't expect everyone to like you. I think Jess's relief that this went down well is palpable. Is that word? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. I would agree with that, Sarah. It was, um, yeah, I'm always, well, it's never nice, is it? I don't like, not that we're ever trolled, nothing like that. And you're completely right. Everyone has a right to their opinion, but 
I just get a bit like, oh, I just don't love it. I just don't love having to deal with that side of it. And that that's just all about me. But, you know, <laughs> that's, that says more about me, doesn't it, than everyone else. I just don't love dealing with that. Um, anyway, I am, I'm excited to hear how we're progressing in learning about the transgender community and HIV today, because this is part two, isn't it? So if you missed part one, go back and listen to part one, where we highlighted how few statistics there are around, you know, the transgender community and how we need to be doing so much more to support them with their HIV and their health needs. Yes. And this week we are looking at health inequalities and risk. Okay. So, you know, I read a thing yesterday was about people's gripes and one of them was people who start every sentence with so, and I just can't help doing it now. Well, I'm going to have to not edit that out now. I'll have to leave it in, won't I? (laughs) Transgender people are at higher risk of contracting HIV than other identified groups. And they're also, as we already know, more hidden. And there is a lack of education, um, a lack of understanding around the barriers they face in testing and accessing care. We know this. We talked about this last week. Um, And I think do you know what's weird? We've spent so long investing in understanding why minority groups don't always access mainstream care. And yet we've overlooked the transgender community along the way. And I yeah, don't ma- anyway, we should say we as a collective rather than you and I. Let's not make this personal, Jess. Yeah, yeah. It's not just the HIV podcast is doing <laughs> the trans community a disservice. It it we're just slamming wider public health, to be honest. <laughs> we're just going big. Yes. We're not even public health, Jess. We get funding from them. Oh, God. The, the even wider community. Every, basically, what I was saying, everybody else except for us. <laughs> That's kind of what it sounds like we're saying, isn't it? To understand a bit more, I've used an NAT, National Age Trust Report, from 2017. Again, it's not that current, I know, but I had the same um, issue when I was kind of Googling for information. So I just Googled HIV, transgender, UK, and I've used the top five links that came up. So there's probably more data out there, but I couldn't find it without searching. And to be honest, it shouldn't be that way, should it? It should just all be at your fingertips. It shouldn't be that way. And as you actually mentioned earlier, we have quite a finite amount of time to put this podcast together because A, we do it weekly and B, we have full-time jobs around it. That's very true. Yeah. Yes. That's very true, actually. That's fair enough that you went for the top ones. I would have done the same. So the report says there have been very few epidemiological studies among trans people, but those that exist have identified high HIV prevalence ranging from 8% to 68%. That's quite a range. I mean, that's, I was going to say that's, that's over half the numbers. That's nearly all the numbers. Over I mean. half the numbers. Sure, 100% is you the are. <laughs> You know, if 100%, do you know what actually my gripe is? You know, you said this earlier. My gripe is people that say things like 110%. There's not 110%. It's a give 100%. You can't give 110%. Oh, okay. But anyway, that's what I'm saying. That's where I'm going with that. If if we're going 8 to 68%, you're not far off 100, which is everyone. So the data suggests, I'm just going to move on, Jess. Oh, I, I, when... I would too. I would too. I'm getting angry today. So the data suggests that there is a heavy burden of HIV on trans women, especially on those who have sex with men. Worldwide, 
HIV prevalence amongst trans women was reported to be 19%. That is high. Yeah. And they are 40 t- 49 times more likely to be HIV positive than the general population. That's massively high. I know. And we will discuss why that is. Yeah. This isn't just the questions podcast where you just ask questions, and then we end it. No. Thank God. Now, some studies show that trans men and women are equally at risk for HIV acquisition. And that is possibly explained by trans men who have sex with men being the receptive sexual partner. Okay, so being the bottom. Yeah. And various studies have identified increased vulnerabilities for acquiring HIV among particular subgroups of trans people, young and ethnic minority trans women, young people, migrants and sex workers were all cited as being more vulnerable than the overall trans community. Okay, so you're saying they're already already vulnerable because they are from the trans community and then this is an extra layer of added vulnerability. Yes. Now, what we should point out is that a trans identity does not automatically increase high-risk behaviour. And I do think that is what some people assume. And it's rubbish. I was going to say something far ruder then, but we'll moderate it. I wanted you to, but I I felt the the vigour in your rubbish, yeah. There are biological factors why trans people are at higher risk, and especially those undergoing gender-affirming medical procedures. So there's a physical reason. I have no idea. No, I didn't either. And I think there'll be lots of people out there that don't realise it. Uh, which is why the myth kind of comes from, isn't it, that the old world trans people must be having more sex than everybody else if they're at higher risk of HIV. No, 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 that is not true. So some forms of oestrogen can affect HIV medication. We've mentioned this before in our menopause episode. Yeah, It's led to some trans women prioritising their hormone therapy over their HIV treatment or PrEP. And before people start getting all antsy, and I know there'll be people out there that do and start saying it's irresponsible, they should be taking their HIV medication, why are they still having sex, should point out, while some studies have been conducted to evidence that some types of oestrogen do not interact with HIV medication, no studies have been conducted with transgender women who take larger hormone doses than cisgender women. So without studies... They don't know whether they are putting themselves at risk if they take both oestrogen and their HIV meds or PrEP. Because nobody's bothered to do the research. Now, let's just highlight this is 2017. This is report has been done. And if there is more up to date data and this is now all being sorted out. Brilliant. But I couldn't find it easily. I'm so shocked and angry that there is just nothing. There is just no data on this. And we're just, you know, expecting people just, you know, well, just try your luck, you know, take your meds, see what happens. This is really unfair. It's just, I mean, if I was in that situation, if you're going through the transgender process and you know that you need to take oestrogen in order to, to help that process along, but you don't know the risks of taking a high dose and how it will interact with your other medication, you're going to pr- prioritise the oestrogen. Absolutely. But also imagine how you'd feel when you say to your clinician or your doctor, oh, well, could you tell me how, if there's an interaction or or how it might affect my HIV meds if I take this level of oestrogen? And they go, yeah, we don't know. Like, wouldn't you feel just so like, well, obviously no one cares, do they? 
No one's bothered to do any research on it. And and what that sort of feels like it's saying from a, a health perspective is mm, we're not really bothered. We're not really bothered about trans health, doesn't it? That's That's what that feels like if you're not bothering to do the research to find out how this affects people. Yeah, absolutely. And whilst things may well have moved forward in the UK, you know, this is a worldwide podcast. It hasn't moved forward in other countries in the world by prevalence um, amongst the transgender community is, is higher than other communities affected by HIV. And what a decision. What are you supposed to do in that situation? I know. It's just impossible. Uh, right. There's another reason as well. So progesterone is known to increase HIV susceptibility by thinning the vaginal epithelium. I really hope I've said that correctly. We know how bad I am at pronouncing medical things. Basically, they're talking about the inner lining of the vagina. So the inner lining consists of multiple layers of cells, squamous cells, they call them, flat cells that are located near the skin. The progesterone thins that lining and makes those cells a more easily accessible route for HIV. I say this a lot. I'm going to say it again. Why don't we know this? Why don't we know these things? There's so, there's, and this is on us, but right, everyone, make sure, I know I've said this before, make sure you go and tell someone these facts this week because we need everyone to know all of this. We all need to get educated around this. And I mean, it's not going to surprise you to know that there's no robust data. Uh, it's not been reviewed in detail. No research has been conducted with trans women. Again, I'm going to keep harping on that this is a 2017 report. Uh, maybe there's been loads and loads of research done since then, but I doubt it. Yeah, if anyone if anyone knows of any, we'd actually really genuinely be very happy and love to see it. So please do send it to us. But it just feels depressingly predictable. Doesn't it? It's just so unfair. Yeah. But then we know that not much research has been done around HIV positive women going through the menopause. Yeah. Well, if you're not a man, no one seems to care, do they? No. <laughs> I mean, let's face it. Right. Well, moving on. Testosterone is not reported to interact with HIV medication, but it does cause vaginal atrophy. So that's the thinning, the drying inflammation of the vaginal walls, common during menopause. And that may increase HIV risk depending on sexual behaviour, although no adequate data is available to back that up. Literally, we should just have that as a soundbite on repeat. Because that's this entire episode, isn't it? It's just like, so there are things that disproportionately affect trans people, especially in terms of HIV contraction. But yeah, there's no available data to back that up. Of course there's not. Of course there's not. Jeez, this is terrible. I know. I mean, there are concerns as well about uh, transgender people who inject self-prescribed hormones and soft tissue fillers without medical supervision. So there are a range of health risks which could exasperate clinical complications of HIV, um, as well as being problematic in themselves, you know, needle sharing, for example. I don't know how relevant that point is to the UK because there's no data. But in other areas of the world, it does happen. We didn't know any of this. We are learning about this through this episode and we work in the sector. So there'll be people listening that are also learning more. And I hope that creates more empathy for the transgender community. And I'm also going to add on to that, Sarah, onto your little speech there. I'm also going to add on that it we're forever learning. It's not just 
about the transgender community. I think if anyone goes back and has a little listen to um to any of the episodes, I'm forever saying, why don't we know this? So it's not just that this is specifically, oh, we don't really know much about the trans community. There's loads. There's loads we're still learning about. And we've worked in the sector. I want to say forever feels like it. I know. I do sometimes wonder how we can work have worked in this sector for so long and still have so much to learn. It makes me it makes me wonder what we're going to learn like in the rest of the year or next year or the year after. Can you imagine? Also, we're a frontline service. So a lot of what we do is informed by our service users. So we really understand the challenges around living with HIV for different kind of communities because we've got such a broad kind of client base. So you do wonder that people who don't work in frontline services, where do they get their information from? Because sometimes you're like, well, we hear it because we're working at at the coalface, so to speak. And usually they're the ones that are creating sexual health strategies, HIV strategies. I wonder how, not how informed they are. They probably are very good at doing their research. But I think there is a good case for having a stronger voice from service users. Yeah, absolutely. Being service user led, for sure. Yeah. I yeah. mean, we this podcast wouldn't have come around if we weren't a frontline service, if we should probably say, I know you're probably going to edit it out. We're not meant, we don't mean to sound defensive. We had tons and tons of lovely comments about the transgender community, but one or two negative ones. Yeah. <laughs> I do feel like we're like, oh, guys, do you know what we're talking about here? Yeah. Let us explain ourselves. We're very defensive. Jess is upset. <laughs> no, but I just think we want people to understand A, that we didn't just one day go, oh, we just started a podcast. We work in frontline services. <laughs> I don't know how many different ways to say that. And it's hard because, you know what, we don't always talk about the fact that this podcast is shaped by people, um, heavily obviously our service users, but also our community that we have built through social media and through people listening to this podcast. It is such a nice community. And so, yes, I get a little upset when, you know, when there's a not nice comment because there are such nice comments. And I do think this is important content. And I don't want people to think, oh, crikey, I better never ask a question about the trans community because I am going to get, you know, absolutely slaughtered for it. That's not how I want people to feel. I want people to feel like, yes, ask questions, be involved, be informed. Don't be offensive, but ask questions, learn, educate yourself. And by listening to this, you're doing that. I'm going to stop talking now before I pass out. (laughs) (laughs) I've been listening to this for so long that my bum's gone to sleep. (laughs) I love it. We're always like, we, we, uh, yes, constructive criticism is, is kind of key. It's just as important as receiving all the lovely comments we get, but apparently not because we were both on one today. Like, <laughs> no, yeah. unacceptable. Don't question our credentials. I just want to be like, we're doing our best. We really are. And we're really trying to highlight these issues. And it's not, again, early, it's not going to be done always in the way that everyone wants us to do it. How could that be? We'll never be able to produce a podcast in the way that every single person would like us to do it. So, you know, we're doing our best, guys, and I'm proud of us, Sarah. I'm proud of us too. There we go. You're still listening to this. Uh, It's two hours later. (laughs) It's a pity party. Welcome. (laughs) Jess hasn't stopped for breath. (laughs) I'm off to have a cry. She's wearing a yellow hat. Her face is bright red. She looks like one of those rhubarb and custard sweets. (laughs) They'll see it. They'll see it on the... It's lime green. It looks yellow. I am also wearing le- yellow. Don't we look a little bit like we're, it's like we planned our outfits today, but we didn't. No, it's just you hanging around outside my bedroom window again. 
I feel like Sarah started fantasizing about that. <laughs> that would be that would be my top fantasy, of course. <laughs> Who's winning it with this hat on and everything? And I'm having a rant about why does nobody like us, Sarah? <laughs> but they do. No, 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 I know. I just, of course. Yeah, when you edit this, I don't know if there's a way that you can fade out your voice, fade it back in, and you're still going on and on. And on. I'm back with you. I'm back in the room. I've got it out off my chest. But I'm going to say I do welcome constructive feedback. It just doesn't mean I take it well. No. I can welcome Um, it, but also be, you know, slightly non-welcoming. That's where I'm at. I think it depends how personal it is, isn't it? If it's someone pointing out an error in a podcast episode, of which there are never any, we know this, then fair enough. Mm. Um, and we can amend that. If it's somebody saying, what do you two know? Well, actually quite a lot. So back off. I love that, Sarah. Love that energy. You. Hundreds <laughs> of messages. <laughs> I know. Can you imagine? I'm going to wake up to just a barrage. It's, I'm going to have a meltdown. <laughs> like I probably won't be here next week. I will not be here. She'll be recording with someone else. <laughs> okay. So um, it's also recognised that different surgical techniques for construction of neo-vaginas. If I have said that wrong, I apologise. But as we said, we're learning along with everybody else. Let us know. Let us know how to pronounce it properly. Construction of neo-vaginas may affect the risk of HIV acquisition, particularly in relation to the different tissue used. However, it's not yet been researched adequately. When are, when are they going to start? When does the adequate research begin, do you think? I don't know. Now, we haven't talked about transgender men. Um, there's even less information on that front. But there are risks for them as well. There's no research on the biological risk in relation to genital surgery undergone by transgender men. There is a risk for trans men that prioritise hormone therapy over their HIV meds or PrEP for the same reasons as trans women. So I think, you know, what is abundantly clear, whether a transgender person is already HIV positive or is at risk of transmission, there is so much less information available to help them make an informed choice. Well, I'm I'm genuinely fascinated at what doctors are saying. What's the advice they're giving if there is like zero research around this? I don't know. And we could look into this further for another episode. Oh, please um, do, so I get more comments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've made it sound like we had a lot of negative comments. We had two, just two comments. Two from a whole worldwide podcast listened to in 169 countries. It's not bad, is it? It's just because I want to protect everybody. I don't want the negativity. No, I don't either. And I think there's a difference, as we said, between constructive criticism and just being plain mean. Yeah. And I think also because this episode was, you know, put together um, along with our transgender service users, there's a part of me that feels protective of them. Going to give them all the positive ones. Yeah, that'll be nice. I look forward to that tomorrow at the drop-in. Okay, I will. Okay, so the point we're making is, you know, we're all adults. We've talked about this many times before. We're all responsible for our own health, uh, our own well-being, uh, and for decisions around our own sexual health. And I think, for the most part, we're all able to make decisions backed by fact. I know we sometimes choose to ignore the sensible option. We're only human, but we do that fully aware of the consequences, and that's where health inequalities are for the transgender community because they are having to make choices without those facts. Yeah, it, yeah, literal uninformed choices. And there is nothing that they can do about that because we've said it a million times in this, there is no research. No. 
So they don't have the luxury of being equipped with all the facts. They haven't been researched yet. It's just guesswork. You're just like, I think this is going to be the best thing. I guess I'll just see. Yeah. And as I've said, I could be doing someone a terrible disservice here because our information is from 2017. There might be more up-to-date information. I just couldn't find it. If there is more up-to-date information, let's um, really help whoever has done it to get it out there because if it was this hard to find, that's not great either. So there we go. We've come to the end of our episode about the transgender community and HIV risk. Uh, We've had a bit of a rant. It's quite therapeutic. Okay. So thank you very much, Sarah. Love that episode. So we do have a third one coming in this little series because it's just grown and grown as we've been doing it. Initially, it was just going to be one episode, then it grew to two, now it's three. But next week, there'll be something a little bit different. And that's what I'm going to tell you. Different as in it's got nothing to do with HIV. (gasps) No. Oh. Oh. (laughs) We're going to talk about fashion. No, it's still to do with HIV, but because we... In our schedule, we didn't have three episodes around HIV and the transgender community scheduled in. We have something else booked in that is immovable. You know what I'm going to try and find? I'm going to try and find a way to link chocolate and HIV. Oh, my God. I double dare you. Anyone works for Cadbury's or Mars and is aware of a link between HIV and chocolate, let me know. Well, I'm going to challenge you to that, Sarah. So I, uh, I should wait and see what happens. Um, you should challenge me because I think I can find a link between HIV and anything. All right. What about HIV and socks? Yes, keeping your socks on during sex is um, likely to uh, reduce your risk of HIV transmission. Nobody will come near you. I was once testing um, someone at the Slough Centre because obviously another part of the thing that we do at our thing that we do in our day job the thing um we also test people for hiv so that's part of the tvps service and there was a guy who came and he's very open he said i don't use protection absolutely not um and he said because it's like wearing your socks in the bath in the bath that's what he said that's what he said he said it's like wearing socks in the bath using a condom is akin to wearing socks in the bath obviously i chatted with him about using protection and using a condom and the importance and risk it's his choice i I don't i still don't get it's like wearing your socks in the bath yeah that's the that's the completely um, unnecessary i suppose so is that what it's supposed to mean i I didn't really think much on it i was just a bit like what i don't have time for this (laughs) so sympathetic you live in the berkshire or (laughs) Northampton area and you like to be tested for hiv i can (laughs) I want to be met by a very small snappy person at the door. Get in contact with us. Well, just ask not to see Jess because you could be tested by Sarah, Sue or the lovely Chantelle. They are all lovely. I am lovely too. But, you know, don't come in and tell me it's like wearing a condom is like wearing your socks in the bath. That's what I'm saying. Don't come in and do that. No. Well, you might get to meet one of our lovely volunteers. That sounded like a threat. (laughs) Like in what way? Are they going to like take them outside and duff them up? Like, what does that mean? You perform a card of honour as you walk into our premises. Oh, I see, I see. And it was meant to come across as a threat. <laughs> right, well, on that note, let's stop threatening anyone that wants to come and use our service after we've just banged on about how great we are. Yeah, it's not, it's not been our finest episode. They're all our finest episode. That's what I'm taking on board now, Sarah. Well, I think, yeah, no, I, well, yes. Okay. She's like, I've got nowhere to go now. I don't know what to do with this. 
Right. Okay. I will no, see you in an angry wasp. You're dressed in black and yellow. I don't care what you say. It's not lime green. <laughs> so are you. We're both. We yes. are both dressed. And I'm not. I'm like a friendly bumblebee. Oh, like a hornet. Good. Like a miniature hornet. Thanks for listening to the HIV podcast. If you enjoyed our podcast, please like, rate and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can now also follow us on Instagram and TikTok at the HIV podcast for behind the scenes insights and video. The HIV podcast is produced by Thames Valley Positive Support. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer after for years to come try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com code buttery exclusions apply see site for details